So here's where I'm at right now. Okay. Um, I woke up with an old man neck, and I've never had that before, and it, it seems like I've crossed the Rubicon into old man territory. Are you talking about pain? Are you talking about sort of, sort it's of a just gelatinous? It's an old man stiffness, like the kind oh. of stiffness you'd get if there's like a storm a-brewing. Sure. But like, well, is there? Did you check? So far, no, but who knows? I mean, if my neck is saying there is, there must be. Here's yeah. what I know about you, Russ. You, mm-hmm. I'm going to tie two things together, like house... Sure. Mud. You ever see that show, House Mud? No. Um, it it's about a, a a doctor who solves crimes. I can't take oh, old shit. A mean, do- mean doctor solves crimes was the Japanese title. Um, anyway, I want to solve this crime for you. I know you beat The Witcher on yes. your switcher, mm-hmm. right? Yes. You've been looking down on it. You got switch neck, or as I call it, gamer neck. Me and some of the other game <laughs> chiropractors that keep our esports. Uh, esports teams in line. Uh, I am, of course, the gamer's doctor, Kyra, right. Dr. Justin Macro. I help with gamer neck, gamer thumb, gamer butt, and all the different gamer deformities. I'm not supposed to say deformities anymore. My secretary keeps telling me this. Sorry, <laughs> administrative assistant. Damn it, this is hard. <laughs> this 2020 culture. I just want to fix gamer necks. <laughs> You know what the uh, the biggest hazard of fixing gamer neck is? What, Dustin? Beard burn. Beard burn is the big <laughs> thing you gotta watch out show. for. Start. Play the music. <laughs> My name is Justin McElroy, and I know the best game 30 fucking years ago. <laughs> I'm Griffin McElroy, and yep, it's happening. My name is Welcome to the Besties, where we discuss the latest and greatest in pop culture games. Games that have uh, uh, inspired us, helped us to grow as people. To become better parents, if I may be so bold, yeah, uh, and, and the latest and greatest in gaming. Um, this week we are sans Chris Plant. He is out on assignment. He did fall into a big magic toy chest and get turned into a toy, and we're trying <laughs> to fix it. Like we're trying to get, we're trying to figure it out. I, I have to say, he wasn't that far off to begin with, so I don't think it was that much of a stretch. We <laughs> are okay. going to be talking about the video game Super Mario Brothers Three. Uh, Justin pointed out this was pretty much Chris Plant's idea. Plant said, why don't you guys talk about this old-ass game, and anyway, I won't be around, but I do have enjoy enjoy playing and talking about this old, old video game. Well, You're we, so enthusiastic about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's Super Mario Bros. It's a, it's a very good game. We were originally going to talk about Dreams uh, this week, which we did not get, uh, as far as I know, nobody's getting code to. Trying to get it was a bit of a nightmare. Yeah, yes. they've co- converted some of the beta players, which I was not a beta player. Maybe I should have been a beta oh, player. Oh, I was. See, I didn't even check for that. But yeah, but that comes out on Friday. I still want to talk about that at some point because it's a really, like, what I played in the beta was so strange and the shit that I keep seeing like go viral on Twitter of like look at this photorealistic CGI people have made like that that seems wild but for now let's talk about Super Mario Brothers the third so why are we talking about this yeah how old is it the 30th anniversary (laughs) of this game of its North American release yeah that seems very western centric the game actually came out in Japan in 1988 uh, which is 32 years ago, right. uh, but the it came out in North America this week, February 9th, 1990, and that's certainly when I knew about it because I didn't know about Japan back then. Do you, remember, a, do you know why there was a delay? They no, ran out of ding. In that period in the late 80s, there was a, a a ROM chip shortage, like getting enough games like manufactured in that period. There was a, like a worldwide shortage, so they held mm. off. It's uh, such a Rob the robot was eating all the ROM chips. He needed for them fuel. for power. It's mm-hmm. such a strange uh, story that I I was not aware of until sort of preparing for this episode. I did not know about the ROM chip shortage. That seems like a really wild reason for a thing not to, uh, you know, a major video game from the biggest video game publisher on the planet to like not put out their shit in America for two whole years is a wild reason. But also that it was like. Uh, a, a, they saw the opportunity to make a fucking movie 
a, a movie <laughs> all about Super Mario Brothers 3 and the Nintendo line of products. And that is where the wizard sort of came from. I did not realize what was the chicken and what was the egg in that scenario. Which is to say, like, <laughs> I did not realize that they were like, hey, Nintendo, Par- was it Paramount or Universal went to mm. Nintendo like, hey, so we think it'd be cool to make a movie about all your great video games and all the fun characters therein. And Nintendo was like, ooh, this is a good opportunity for us to bring Super Mario Brothers 3 stateside. And it's like, this is what you were waiting for? <laughs> like, it was a different sort of gaming landscape back then, but, like, holy shit, guys. They That's... needed a news peg. It was important. Yeah, I, or, or you could just release Super Mario Brothers 3, the sequel to, you know, the biggest video game on the planet, But uh, but but here we are. Wait, are we talking about Mario 2 as the biggest video game on the planet? No, we should also, for listeners who aren't, like, aware of that, also there's a sort of, like, wild, like, Final Fantasy 6, 3 thing that happened with Super... What we call Super Mario Brothers: The Lost Levels, with Super Mario Brothers 2 in uh, in Japan, and Super Mario Brothers uh, 2 in America was... Oh, shit, I can never... Doki Doki Panic. Doki Doki Panic, which is like... Russ and I have a great video about this on YouTube. We do. You should should search search Super Mario Brothers 2 history. Um, Um, It's fantastic. We are are going to talk about The Wizard in the latter half of the show, but I did want to talk specifically about Super Mario Brothers 3, uh, given the anniversary. And we talked a little bit about the ROM shortage, but I want to know, did you guys know... There's like a pretty weird ass plot going on in this game. It never really occurred to me because you sort of just like take Mario shit for granted. Like, hey, there's like weird toad creatures and their Goombas are walking around. Like, it's just weird by default. Right. And they don't really present the story. Like, there's very little like actual text in these games. But, I think that's that's less true in Super Mario Brothers three. I think like because you get like the little cutscene at the end of each world with Toad like giving a little yeah. monologue. Sure, but there there isn't like a setup really. All you really get is the like the curtains opening up, and you're sort of like thrown into it, right? Well, it's all in the manual, right? You have to read is, the manual to get the story. It is all in the manual, um, and I wanted to like read a little bit of the manual. For oh, you guys. cool. So, this is directly from the manual: the Mushroom Kingdom has been a peaceful place thanks to the brave deeds of Mario and Luigi. The Mushroom Kingdom forms an entrance to the Mushroom World where all is not well. Now, this really blew my mind because... <laughs> okay, so Mushroom Kingdom, we we picture the Mushroom Kingdom. Everything in Mario happens in the Mushroom Kingdom, right? right? It's like a giant world of Mushroom Kingdom shit going on in there. But no, there's a world. This is suggesting that there is a sort of a whole sort of extended universe that the Mushroom Kingdom is like the doorway into. Yeah, it's the Mushyverse. It's the Mushyverse, and the, and the Mushroom Kingdom is like the wardrobe to Narnia. Mm-hmm. Okay, precisely right. Um, um, interesting, interesting. So yeah, that kind of blew my mind. And then we dive into the like plot that Bowser has, which is to send his seven children to make mischief by transforming all of the kings in this world into animals. Right. And that's funny. Like Bowser's Bowser's got me busting up on this one because he. Mm-hmm. This is just funny. I you sent your kids to turn the kings into dogs. Bowser, you're fucking wild about this one, bud. <laughs> um, yeah, it's I, a it's a strange. But here's the thing: after after uh, Doki Doki Panic, which was Super Mario Brothers two, I think this is a, maybe one of the tamer plots. <laughs> which is that one is like a toad, a big monster frog man has uh, Inception taken over your dreams and mm-hmm. uh, is causing yeah. nightmares. Except, uh oh, Super Mario Brothers three, yeah, is all a play. Oh, that's a good point, Justin. Super Mario Brothers 2 is framed as just a dream to as, to get around the fact that it's so buck wild. Yeah. It's framed as just a dream. Super Mario Brothers 3 is a stage play. There's the curtain going up at the beginning. The that's why the um blocks look like they've been bolted on to the backgrounds. Um the why it looks like a exiting stage right at the end of each level. Is this headcanon uh, or is this like No, no, no. This is well it, it, it was a fan theory for uh literally 30 years until or 25 years I guess until 2015 Miyamoto confirmed that it was a play. I mean that's the aesthetic. That's why stuff is like hanging from wires a lot of time mm-hmm. rather than just floating and and stuff like that. It is a stage play. That is the the the, the narrative of this. So Two is a dream. Three is a stage play. 
the only canonical thing is Super Mario Brothers 1 and then World. It just jumps straight to World. So if you're following the main narrative, that's why a lot of the novels uh, fill in <laughs> these gaps between. Uh, that to makes try sense. To fill in that's some why I haven't been able there. to follow it. I just haven't right. kept up. Um, yeah. Did they get the Halo guy to write those? They did, yeah. It's Super Mario Brothers The Fall of Reach is, uh, <laughs> is, is one of my favorites. I just help me out here. Uh, my, I have like, I have pretty bad sort of just memory recall skills, uh, in general. I remember very clearly playing, we, we had an NES at our house. I remember very clearly playing Mario Brothers 1. I feel like I don't have as many sort of like, crystallized memories about us playing Super Mario Brothers 3. Like, I know we had it, but I don't remember it being sort of the, like, staple, like, Mondo important game in our house, like the like Super Mario Brothers 1 was. Am I misremembering that? No, it's weird, actually. Um, I, I think this was maybe in sort of an, an ebb in terms of, like, our gaming, because, like, the the times I can remember playing Super Mario Bros. 3, it's always at a friend's house. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and, and I have, like, vivid memories of Super Mario Brothers 3, and this is something, like, I think we'll talk more about in emails, but but if you ask people about Super Mario Brothers 3, and I don't know why it's this one specifically, you know, there's probably some other old NES games that would get the same treatment, but people have vivid memories of i asked sydney who's not my wife is not a big uh, video game person if she remembered playing super brothers 3 and she immediately rattled off this story about growing up in georgia and there were kids across the street that had super brothers 3 and she and her sisters would go over and invite them out to play and then 10 minutes into the playing outside would start complaining about getting hot and maybe they should do something indoors <laughs> just as like a back door That's to get into diabolical. Super Mario Brothers 3. Yeah. That's so good. Basically, like, like if you've ever seen the Apple and Onion episode where they they hang out with Hamburger to use his uh, trampoline, sure. basically exactly it's like that. a lot that. like that. Uh, I mean, I, ha- I remember like sleepovers of of us like obsessing about, and, and, th- and I think this is a factor of like, the world we were in that didn't have outside access to the world. Every little weird nook and cranny of this game, and there are many uh, that yes. just don't make. In I mean, like why? Why? Why is sometimes there's a floating spade card with an N on it that you go into, <laughs> and there's a match game? Like why? It's, yeah. It seems bizarre, and not being able to like verify this stuff that other people will see this stuff online made all this stuff really magical and I like really codified it in my brain I remember being over at my neighbor Courtney's house and the first time we got to world four which is giant land being like the game done changed Courtney everything's (laughs) so fucking big everything's so much bigger than it should be yeah it's so strange because yeah I have memories like that but but like I feel like uh, Super Mario Brothers 3 occupies this strange place. And I think that I can sort of codify this by my experience with uh, Super Mario Maker 1 and 2, which I've played like a lot of. I love those games. But whenever I make levels, I tend not to favor Super Mario Brothers 3 like palette, right? Like, And I feel like that that's true of a lot of the community. Just sort of anecdotally speaking, looking at the slate of like most popular levels or the levels that are always in like the most played hot levels right now mm-hmm. sort of playlist. Uh, and this is, you know, there's other stuff affecting this, right? Like Super Mario Brothers 1 palette has like the Zelda power up. So like in Super Mario Brothers 3 doesn't have that. There's like differences between who gets what. But I feel like just, just again, anecdotally speaking, like Super Mario Brothers 3 doesn't have the heat necessarily on that specific platform where it's just then like a question of game feel and game mechanics and game aesthetic when you know yeah do you think it's it's because it's like a middle because obviously people love super mario world like the world palette right like right yeah well super mario brothers world or super mario world has like all of the tech right so yeah you can pick up p switches and do all kinds of like crazy shit with that which i do think though that part of it might be just this this element of it being kind of a weird middle ground between the two generations or like if you're right. trying to make like a true retro level you would use Mario 1 graphics cuz that makes sense and then if you're going to make like more of a next gen thing you're going to leap right ahead to world that middle ground with 3 does seem weird uh and maybe that's what it is but i do still have a lot of fondness for it uh, the the thing that always jumps in my mind and i'm sure there's going to be a lot of reader mail talking about it is that fucking white block that white block, the fact that you could duck behind this white block and get behind <laughs> yes. the scenery 
to transfer yourself through the world without hitting anything. And that was designed. I don't know why it was designed that way, why it is still in the game. Well, let's talk about sort of the spaghetti at the wall approach of Super Mario Brothers 3. It does uh, seem designed though. Like I don't it oh, doesn't no, no, no. feel it's, like it's, it's random. It could, it's not random. Like it's not unintentional. Right. It's like how you access in one four the like secret backstage level where you get the warp whistle. Like no, it's 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 obviously one, intentional. One, I'm talking more about one, like three. One, three. uh is it level three? Oh yes, you're right. Um, Which is it, weird, by the way, that I instantly, almost muscle memory, <laughs> hopped up on that white block, crouched down, went and got my fucking whistle. Right, I knew exactly where that was. To read about the development of this game, like it was very like uh, open doors approach, uh, where Miyamoto, you know, a- any ideas that people had, like he was willing to entertain because his like game development theory was like it takes a whole village to make a good video game and like reading about that now it starts to make sense why this game has just so much shit in it like even compared to super mario world which came out a generation later like you think about you get the little cards at the end of each level and if you match three you get a bunch of extra one-ups you get the little uh item palaces where you get to choose from the different treasure chests that have items in it and you can use those items on the world map to start a level from the beginning you have the weird matching game you have the weird little mini boss fights on the map you have just the, the world map alone the world like, map alone has like yeah locked doors and pipes that you can go in there's the whole sort of like P running mechanic, like yeah, the, the like the, speed. There's a fucking the speed wing mechanic, the speed in meter. a platforming game. Like what? It's a there's like there's <sighs> so many things. Like there's so many different sort of elements to this game, and I think like I I love this game. Obviously, like I, it feels silly to like talk about our feelings about Super Mario Brothers three because it's obviously like as classic as a classic can get. But it's those things aren't especially cohesive. Like it's not. It, it it does not come together to form. Well, that's Mario writ large, though. It's only cohesive because it's been like you've been subjective to it since you were a baby. Like yeah. I mean, jumping on mushrooms is absolutely buck wild. <laughs> I wish to God I could go back and just be an adult experience, like watching my kids. Like, are you jumping on living mushrooms? <laughs> What the fuck is happening? Go back to watching Sesame Street. I kind of yeah. get Tipper Gore at that point. All her yeah, exactly. About their games. It makes exactly. Sense. They are dangerous. You know what's weird? And, and and this is more like I don't have a great point about this or anything, but it is interesting. Um, Griffin talked about like a generation later, right? Mario Brothers three came out in North America as we said February twelfth, which is the day we're recording this, nineteen ninety, right? Super Mario Brothers World came out in North America August twenty third. 1991 that's like 18 months later basically i mean it's like so close and it's so close to the release of the snes and you don't really see this anymore like this was a designed as a grand farewell to the nes like this was going to be like the last big leave it all on the on the map i do think you see that though like you look at like playstation playstation 4 for example has like last of us 2 and uh ghost of tsushima are essentially like the last yeah, that's true. true. That's a good point, actually. So, and and I think each generation does have that game that is like, well, they just literally yanked anything they could possibly yank out of this hardware. I think God of War 2 came out in like the last gasp of the PlayStation 2. So like they really do, but, I think. But What's they, wild they, to think about, though, is that this game comes out in 90 and then Super Mario Brothers World comes out 18 months later. Now, obviously, there's some weirdness there because the Japanese release was in 1990 uh, uh, of November. Uh, and and or, No, no, no. The Super Mario Brothers World oh, is right, 1990 right. in Japan, yeah. and it's, it's you know, 88 in, in that there Japan. Could be that so big of a, Super Mario Brothers 3. That there could be that big of a gap between international releases. is like that's, is, Yeah, like, that's what's... I mean, you look at the SNES release calendar internationally... It's wild. I mean, it would never have, like, it's 90 in Japan, November of 1990 in Japan, August of 91 in North America, April of 92 in the UK, uh, and Brazil gets it in August of 1993. It is absolutely, like, <laughs> it would never, ever, ever happen well, this and, way. And then it's you wild. Have, and then you have fucking Kirby's Adventure on the NES that came out in 1993, a full three years after the SNES. This was an NES game, and it came out three years after the 
after it, it came out after uh, Dreamland, right? Which was yeah. the Game Boy game. That one came out first in I think like ninety one or maybe even nineteen ninety. And Kirby's Adventure comes out in nineteen ninety three, and they're like, "Let's not put it on the new shit. <laughs> we put that on the old shit because everybody has the old shit. It's it, it it was a different way of doing business back then, and and I think it's only strange looking at it through the lens of today but that's why like i think import sort of culture was a i don't know it felt like a bigger deal back then than Mm, it does these days i played all of it um by which i mean i I did i played one one through one three and then the first (laughs) castle and then i played through world a no that's not true i dipped in through um i made sure to hop into world four because you know it is a but i did the same thing um for my first run and then went back and like realized that i've been skipping a lot of these levels for many many years so i'm gonna (laughs) go back and see some of them that difficulty spike though (laughs) if you are like some smart ass kid who's like i'm just gonna warp to level eight and see what that's all about all of a sudden you're on a fucking pirate ship with cannons that's shooting fire and dudes are throwing wrenches at you you just went from like gently sloping down hills and hitting red turtles into like a fucking world war one of super mario games those Uh, airships man that was like the first time in a mario game where i like it went from being like kind of representational but like it was artistic right you didn't really get exactly what environment this was sort of representing like even the castles are like very simple in earlier games this was like i'm in the fucking sky like i'm flying yeah and like shit's getting real like this was the first time that i felt truly teleported into a game which again if you're a kid or didn't grow up with this stuff like it feels stupid to look at this and be like how could this be like you've got vr and pterodactyls flying past your head but yeah but it's, then, it, that it's, was like a huge step it's not hard uh i actually played this on the switch on the nes like whatever it is the nintendo online subscription thing that you get that has all the yeah. nes games on it the, which the i not never, virtual console no 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 i i uh i had not like fucked around with that before it's cool as hell like it yeah, is a it is good. a really cool way to play those games i didn't realize this but at any point you can hold down the triggers and it will let you rewind and yeah. like go back and play shit again, which is like a really, really neat way of like handling save states in, in emulation. But like go back and play like, you know, games that came out before it on the NES. And it is a remarkable leap from a from the, an aesthetic perspective, from mm-hmm. a design perspective. Like it is the, the set pieces that they accomplished, like the airship is like unlike it beats the ever loving shit out of like everything that came before it. It is it is really impressive. I, I think the reason why I would rather play Super Mario Brothers one uh, or World not two I don't I'm not a big fan of two is that this game has a heavy dependence on side scrolling or uh, auto scrollers uh, like the airship levels uh, oh, that yeah, that's true. World yeah. eight is just like there's there's a handful of not auto scrollers thrown in and then you get like the Bowser's Castle maze and then like the the you know the usual sort of Mario staple shit but before that it's like six auto scrolling levels and it's not fun like it, that's not fun for me like I do not uh I and there's they're obviously they're scattered out throughout the the rest of the game as well but like being told how fast I'm allowed to go in the Mario game is like not not a, a, an enjoyable experience for me and this game more than any other Mario game it, it is just like non-stop how do you think Mario conceptualizes an auto-scrolling level mm. like as a man that's gotta be a representation of his own will right mm. I mean his will is the only thing pushing him forward even when he physically doesn't want to his like will to succeed is driving him onward you or know? he has to poop interesting or, the what or, yeah so anyway, Griffin just fucking killed Super Mario Brothers three. This is our segment on site where Griffin takes down a classic, just blows him right out of the water. Uh, I guess if you're looking for something to play on the on the the Switch NES store, fucking Crystallis just came out. Crystallis so beats ass. Now let's talk Crystallis. No, let's talk about Crystallis. That, that game fucking beats ass. How have we not gotten a reboot of Crystallis? It's it's wild to me. We get all the like uh, the the Mana series, like the the the. Secret of Mana, like all those games. Crystallis is like obviously such a fucking blood predecessor to that shit and it gets no respect. It's a good yeah. ass game. Hey, and what about MDK? Shiny makes this fucking <laughs> great game. You're a guy with a coil suit and also in the second one, you could be a scientist and a dog. And Mr. Mosquito, like what's, where's Mr. Thank Mosquito? Thank you. Irritating stick. 
irritating bit more like anyway we'll be right back chris plant would never let us talk about mr mosquito this episode of the best these is sponsored by aura frames all right so you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy i'm sure immediately names jump to your mind those are the sorts of people that you would say oh maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their aura frames and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track, and especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties rockamoney.com slash besties you go get a phone you just want a phone talk to your friends and family you're not asking so much then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because you got all this fine print little details and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech you know the contract may sound good uh, up front but there's always some sort of catch you know who's not going to do that to you not going to pull that nonsense mint mobile they're wireless plans. There is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or do you want to have a nice, easy solution save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month? Say bye. To your overpriced wireless plans jaw-dropping monthly bills the unexpected overages sound familiar to get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month go to mintmobile.com besties that's mintmobile.com besties cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com besties additional taxes Fees and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Hey, it's me. Hey, I'm a character. Hey, I'm a character. Anybody want to say yes? Yes. Yeah. Engage me. Yes. Engage my character. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on, character? My name is Ricky Maffo. Oh, I'm Ricky. A- 
Ricky Buffo. I'm a Hollywood big shot, okay? No kidding. Good. Yeah, I got licensed properties out the wazoo. What do you I'm got? Br- I'm bringing them back. Yeah. I. What do I got? Mm. Yeah, what's on what the What do I got? You ever heard of a little game called Mortal Kombat? <laughs> I have a very similar property, Eternal Champions. I'm bringing that to the big screen. <laughs> That's going to be huge. I don't even need to tell you. It's amazing. Hey, is this our uh, most inaccessible episode yet, do you think, to a younger listen, audience? Listen. Ricky, what else you gonna, got? The kids are going to love this. Well, I got one that I want you boys to work on. What is it? Well, let me tell you. Thank you, Justin. Well, I want you boys to make a new version of The Wizard. You seen this movie about a special little boy who's great at video games and Fred Savage takes him halfway across the country to compete in Video Armageddon. Video Armageddon. <laughs> and that's the competition at the end and we're going to have a new unreleased game. R- Ricky, how did you secure, secure the rights to The Wizard? I'm surprised because it is such a well-known and loved property. Nobody wanted it. Everybody's too obsessed with Quibi. Nobody wants something. <laughs> Nobody wants something feature linked anymore. <laughs> Everybody says, Ricky, Ricky Balfour, bring me a Quibi. I'm not making a Quibi. I make big pictures for big stars and big boys in the seats. Yeah. All right? So my challenge for you. Thank you. Please get to it. My challenge for you is to make me a new wizard. You got all the money in the world. You can cast anybody you want to, and we'll get an equivalent star. Mm. If not that original star, an equivalent level talent. Okay. And uh, I want to hear the big ideas, boys. Ricky Buffo. Okay. Uh, okay just Ricky. fax it to my uh, fax it to my man, and he'll get it to me. All right, because I gotta go do a thing for a guy with a thing. Okay, we'll work on it, Ricky. We're, we're gonna do See our Ricky. best. Okay, wow, challenge wizard. accepted. Uh, yes. We have to remake the wizard. Which when did this movie come out? Uh, I mean, nineteen eighty nine. 1989, the world had not even seen Super Mario Bros. 3. Right. Well, I guess Japan had. <laughs> this was... <laughs> yeah. This was like... The world. This was holidays 1989 is when this came out. So a, a, a couple months before Mario 3 dropped in America. Yeah. Um, uh, I saw it in the movie theaters. Um, I was given a collectible card, which I think has to be a crucial element of the re-release. So we need to give something Some for sort free. of collectible uh, things. So let's start unpacking it. We got Jimmy Woods. If you haven't seen the film, uh, James still Woods. He could, he could come back. James yeah, Woods. James, James Woods He's is a little, a little bit controversial. dodgy. <laughs> yeah, James. a little controversial. <laughs> Listen, but you know, he'll just, bring that fire. He'll bring that just, social fire. He's just asking questions. Literally. Jimmy Woods is uh, a a video game wunderkind. His <laughs> sister died, and he has PTSD. And like he gets kidnapped, I guess, by Fred Savage. And uh, not kidnapped. He wants to go okay. just by like reiterating the plot. You are creating a very dark film that to re envision <laughs> the wizard as because it's like. Are we talking about it, a sequel some, or a reboot? I think it's a reboot. He didn't I think say. we got to go reboot. I don't. Well, here's what I would do: reboot. But like subtle Easter eggs indicating that this existed in the same universe. You got to get Fred Savage to host Video Armageddon. Oh, excuse me. (laughs) You got to get Fred Savage to host it. I actually, ooh, Justin, I just got a letter from the lawyers. And if we cast anybody other than Will Arnett in that role, we all go to jail. (laughs) So (laughs) He's busy with Lego Masters. Yeah. um, I fuck with that show, by the way. Anyway. It ain't bad. It ain't bad. So we got to have little child who's good as hell at video games and then two slightly older children who do take that child on a madcap sort of adventure across the country in a light kidnapping spree at some point they do need to interact with the bad guy and the bad guy has to have uh in this film it was lucas who had the power glove and that made the children afraid this Nintendo gaming peripheral made these three children extremely afraid. And so we got to find a way to recapture that juice. And then it all has to be sort of brought to you by Nintendo or, I mean, let's be honest, boys. Epic Games would front a chunk of change yep. for this one. Um, I mean, I is it, it Fortnite? Is that what Video mm, Armageddon is? No, they I don't mean, need to it... push Fortnite, right? Like, this pushed Super Mario Bros. 3. This could just be, like, 
the Epic Games Store, <laughs> and they would give us five hundred trillion dollars to just like. And, and it, the challenge is like navigating it. Yeah. Is that the? Is that the thing? It's being an international customer and trying to buy one fucking game on the Epic Games Store. What is the uh, white block reveal of the Epic Games Store? They need oh. to like. There needs to be an Easter egg. It, it would be some sort of like. You can use shekels. Some sort of usability sort of uh, component to it. So yeah, and then we got to have the video Armageddon at the end. So what's okay, the tough. what's. What's okay, so I think Billie Eilish is popping off right now, and given that we're on Spotify, that's it good. seems like and that's like a one to one. That's a one to one Jenny Lewis substitution. I feel yeah, like Jenny Lewis, uh, extremely talented musician, uh, former uh, front person for Rilo Kiley, mm-hmm. uh, just just an incredible turn in that film. Really great. Yeah, uh, Fred Savage cameo seems essential. If we can't get him, we'll get Ben. Don't worry about it. Sure. So for the kid, for like the expert, I right. wanted to ask. What is Alf up to these days? I don't think Alf could be in it. Why? Yeah, yeah Alf, I don't think he's going to be in this one. I don't you think, think it's can... just an age thing, or you think he's too big for it? Well, Alf is, uh, has already guaranteed we've given him certain assurances that he will be playing Bo Bridges' part. Um, oh, sure. Of Jimmy's dad. I thought he. I thought he could do young. Like I thought he could pull off like a thirteen, fourteen. Well, to be honest. no, he can't. He's Alf, so he will be playing Bo Bridges' part. Uh, okay, um, sure. Christian Slater's a little too fucking hot to trot right now. Yeah. So I don't know if we get him back. We got to dial that down. As the cool older brother. That movie's so wild. <laughs> Do you remember in that movie how Bo Bridges and Christian Slater repair their relationship as father and son through the magic of the Nintendo Entertainment System that they play while staying in hotel rooms while searching for their kidnapped family member? This movie beats ass. We need the hook. What's the? Let's start at the end and work our way backwards. Okay, Boffo would like that. What's the game in the? What is the video Armageddon like a okay. game? What are we talking about? Esports is too easy. Yeah, esports is too easy. I think it's too on the nose. Um, I don't think we can do like anything too retro because we don't want to alienate people. No, but I do think there is like a pretty popular game that hasn't gotten enough shine. What's that? And that is Candy Crush. That would be. I mean, King still got that that King money. Um, yeah, yeah. But I. But I, at this point, I don't think it's getting enough media attention. You know, it'd be a fun challenge for us three as filmmakers. Mm. What, it, all of the like most profitable games, the biggest games, the hottest games on Twitch these days. I think we can all agree are all universally super fucking boring. And so, what would be cool is if it was like auto chess. <laughs> and we had to make that just sort of the hot, exciting, thrilling conclusion. And then, like, you know, Fred Savage can be in the audience and, like, Jimmy's up there and he's, like, getting his ass beat by mm. the boy with the Steel Battalion controller. Like, what's the hot okay. game referral? The Steel Battalion controller. That's a hot new. Yeah. Well, this is for the new Steel Battalion. And so, like, he's like, oh, no. But then he pulls the, you know, Death Knight troop that merges into his other ones again none of us nobody actually knows how auto chess works let me dial this back a little bit because i do think we are going to alienate some of the audience because you can't watch auto chess because it's the most boring thing ever right that's the challenge as filmmakers sure understood let me dial it back and suggest right chess huh just chess okay I okay. think you can do it with the Steel Battalion controller with a series of intricate pulleys and levers moving the pieces. Hmm. And then we can bring Lawrence Fishburne in to teach Jimmy how yeah. to play. You found, you found the searching for Bobby Fischer reference that made the last uh, millennial <laughs> fucking turn off the podcast for good. Uh, unfollowing on Spotify as we speak. don't do that. Uh, we... Let me think. This is all shit so far. It's all fucking shit, and it's all garbage. Who's J- who's the wizard? Could it be who's Billy? The I- wizard. I mean, could it be Billy Eilish? It can't she- also be Billy Eilish. She can't yeah, play she's all too old to be the guys. Role. Hey, she. Lots of people play two roles in movies. It happens all the time. Adaptation. So don't. So before you come at me, there's all kinds. What if of you give me Jaden? Oh my, is he a little too I old? Think he's too old too. What if it's Jaden and Will Smith? is the one his dad and his dad is the one that kidnaps him and then it's like really challenging but this is happy that now we're doing this sort of pursuit of happiness but but he's 25 at this point so it's like 35 years old um i mean i don't want to just get jacob tremblay i'm sure he's. i was gonna say what's that kid from room doing jacob tremblay 
I can't just get Jacob. That's like the most boring. Like, who cares? What about you know what I mean? like, fucking Timothy Chalamet? <laughs> yes, Timothy Chalamet will use the Frodo technology to make him seem much smaller. Listen, guys, that's that's we're done. That's done. Timothy yeah, yeah, yeah. Chalamet. We're gonna Irishman. Like we're gonna Irishman Timmy Chalamet. Don't worry about that. Timmy Chalamet's in the picture. He is ten years old, <laughs> and he is also using the same Irishman technology aged to be his own older brother. <laughs> oh, that's double the Timmy. And under the credits, it'll say. Timothy Chalamet as the older brother. Right. Yeah. Lil Timmy Chalamet as the wizard. Right. The titular wizard. With Billie Eilish as Ginny uh, Lewis. This is all fucking great. We got Alphys Bow Bridges. Guys, the picture's cast. The picture's cast. It's all done. we got to figure out is what's the fucking final, what's the final game? What's the final confrontation? Maybe it's Super Mario Brothers 4. They haven't done that one yet. They haven't they done haven't a done Super Mario Brothers yet. 4. And barring that, if Nintendo won't let us do that, we just get like one of those like super fucking funny, like super violent Newgrounds Flash games with Mario in it where like he kills a Yoshi. <laughs> and it's yeah. all butts. Yeah, it has. Anyway. He, yeah. Well, he, like, let me ask you. So if, if Mario 2 was a dream, Mario 3 was a play, what would be the setup for Mario 4 to really set itself apart? Now we have to design Mario 4. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's a lot hard. Of um, I mean... Huh, we may be putting too much work into this, right? Because Super Mar- Super Mar- Porn Parody. <laughs> <laughs> it's a porn parody. Super Mario Brothers 4 is a video game in the Mario Brothers universe, but it is framed it is as erotic. a porn parody of Super Mario Brothers. Super, Super Mario, Mario Brothers. Brothers. So like, Brothers the gameplay is still good the same it's oh it's it, the same as super mario brothers 3 it hasn't exactly changed. Okay. it's a tile swap baby it's 2020 we got to make our ducats somehow so the pipes are just dicks the this pipes is gonna, are just hey guys dicks we're gonna get in trouble if we do that with the motion Let's, picture association you think listen we've cracked this right we've got it let's move on to uh anything else uh we asked you for your uh most beloved uh, Super Mario Brothers uh, memories uh, in in general. Um, Chase says the first Mario Brother game that I really remember playing in earnest was Super Mario World on SNES. Never mind, too young. Stop listening. You're not listening. Actually, we clarified this. Uh, you're no as, longer there. As soon as, Charlie, as soon as they heard Bo Bridges, <laughs> God. Um, Charlie says I'm sending this email right after listening to your last episode because the timing of what just happened to me was perfect as soon as I heard you guys were going to be talking about Super Mario Brothers 3 I happened to pick up my bean juice okay you're just talking about so this Charlie has a Super Mario Brothers 3 coaster that's the anecdote that prompted Charlie to write in thank you I want one Alec my earliest Mario memory I remember waking up Christmas morning and being led from the living room to downstairs with a piece of string there on the big TV we had there was Super Mario Brothers 64 that's your earliest (laughs) (laughs) next email from a grown up James says my first Super Mario Brothers memory is the invention of the five year old brain or a fever dream but I swear I remember a friend's older brother getting to Bowser on 8-4 in the original SMB and he was the size of the screen burning red and tossing hammers everywhere (laughs) fantastic Uh, let's see what's on Twitter Cookie says 92 I babysat for these kids that would play it and crush me and they mocked me for my bad jump after jump I still can't really do the platformers to this day the music in one two is pure anxiety fuel to me quick Hmm. side anecdote from you two I'm curious about this do you guys have a very like uh like firmed up memory of like a babysitting game like a game that you played when you were being babysat or I guess yeah I guess that's it when you were young and you were being babysat and then there's like a game that you played then for whatever reason like i have a uh, uh, little nemo like oh, i remember yeah. that and i think it's because we played it over like several uh i used to be babysat with my friend patrick we would go over to his house and and had the same babysitter and we'd just play little nemo like for for like many many sessions and that is just like crystallized that's the babysitting game in my mind and i didn't know if that those two things were like necessarily tied together or not the only thing that jumps to mind was um, not so much babysitting as visiting my grandparents in California and to bond with me they would like get us a computer game while we were there for the weeks that my brother and I could play and we played Wolfenstein 3D mm. 
which they made us drop the volume on because their uh, cleaning lady was German and she would hear all the very violent German screams. Really? I was I was very young. Yeah. Not, it was not an appropriate piece of content for me. Yeah. I get, it's, um, it, yeah, they didn't really try. <laughs> my parents would always rent a game from Cummings Renaissance Center. Uh, or the far more when they were like going on a date, and we were being left with a with a babysitter, and uh, the one that I have the the clearest memory of playing was uh, rescue the embassy mission. Y'all ever fire that one up? No. What rescue the embassy mission? It's an NES game. Uh, fucking go play it. It's wild. It's a tactical shooter where you start off like side scrolling and you're like hi there's a uh, searchlights looking out for you and you're like hiding I in door jams and ducking behind shit and then after that there's a um like sniper view of you like looking through windows trying to take out bad guys in the embassy and then you flash back to like yet a third mode that's sort of like Friday the 13th if you remember that one and you're going room to room looking for uh, terrorists and hopefully your sniper buddy has eliminated some of them and trying to rescue people from the embassy. It's fucking. It was wild. also called Hostages huh. in Europe. Uh, the box everyone oh, wants to buy a game called Hostages. The fucking <laughs> yeah. box art of this game is has sent me on a complete like memory dive of like this guy smashing in through a window and this dude in a red balaclava looking at him like he's a fucking ghost like he's a mummy that has just smashed through the wall like <laughs> what a good game y'all been playing anything else uh yeah so i've been i know uh, griffin mentioned it uh, a few weeks ago but i jumped into bloodstained on switch which is really terrific. You know, I wish it ran a little bit better, but it's very playable. It's, it's leaps and um, bounds above where it was when it first launched. Yeah, yeah. If you if you got bumped off of it when it first launched because it was a mess, super playable. Uh, totally tapping into that like GBA DS era Castlevania game for me because it's made by the same dude, and uh, I've just been like super super hooked on it and can't seem to put it down. I was up until like 1 a.m. last night doing dumb shit in that game. So it's it's highly recommended. Uh, mine's embarrassing, but uh, I saw like a post on Reddit or something about the Dragonborn DLC for uh, Skyrim. And I realized <laughs> yeah. I, I, as much as I've played Skyrim, and it's a lot, uh, I never really played the DLC. I never really played Dawnguard or Dragonborn. And I hadn't really like played a ton on Switch either, so I like picked it back up. I've been enjoying it. I just I've nearly done with the uh, with the Dawn Guard DLC, and it's neat. It's neat. I think like I play that game for the memes like so much that actually playing it like a game game is a oh, yeah. is a unique experience. Uh, but Dawn Guard's not in my memory. Not super great, but Dragon it's not. It hasn't been. Is. It hasn't been very good. But I'm ex- I, I've heard really good stuff about Dragon Board, so I yeah. am uh, I am excited to get going. And I just I like the build that I'm playing this. Day. It's been a while since I've like actually given Skyrim the old college try, and uh, it's nearly ten years old, which is fucked up. Crazy. Uh, yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. Juice, you play anything? Uh, you know what? I, Charlie and I uh, just finished Later Alligator, um, oh. which is like a very, uh, it's, if, I'm always looking for stuff that will like engage kids, but is not, is not like contemptible. Uh, Later Alligator is great. It, it's just you, if you're not familiar, it's basically like a very light, very light adventure game even adventure game is stretching the the bounds of that but you're in in an alligator a city of alligators you're hired by an alligator that worries his family is going to kill him and you start traveling around the town talking to different alligators trying to find out more about the event like children his no like he's like the sort of runt of the family and he's worried they're going to kill him because he's extremely skittish uh, oh, and it okay. becomes almost immediately apparent that they're planning a birthday party for him. Oh, so, sure. so it's just you traveling around town asking other alligators for hints about the event, as it's called. Uh, and before they'll give you the hint, you have to play a little mini game for them. And it's all very like cute and fun and sweet. And it's got a great aesthetic and really great music. Um, I think giant bomb had it on their like best soundtracks or top three. Anyway, um, wow. it's, it's really fun. Uh, it, especially if you like to do uh, fun voices for all the different alligators. Uh, it's really cute and has a great sense of humor and um, it's, it's really sweet. Oh, where what platforms it on? Uh, I played it on steam. So, okay. There. So we're we have to go see Sonic Hedgehog. We have to go see Sonic Hedgehog for our job. Yep, our job is to go see Sonic Hedgehog. 
We have to Every see that. Every fiber of my being was praying I got a screening invite to this movie just so I wouldn't have to fork over the 1250. I think I'm going to go at 8 a.m. on a Tuesday. <laughs> so when I take when I take Henry to movies, I do it with the understanding that I may have to just like walk out of that movie at any point and just kind of go with God with yeah. that. Like we saw uh, Detective Pikachu and we saw Toy Story 4. And he's been pretty fucking ride or die for like all the movies we've taken him to. But I have to go into Sonic with that. I, I'm going to take him. Because I can't do it alone, and Rachel's not going to do it with me. Yeah, I don't have a choice. So I'm facing a reality where I get, fuck guys, 70 minutes into Sonic Hedgehog, and then my son freaks out, and we have to leave, and then I have to go see it again. Yeah, pay for it <laughs> twice. <clears throat> but that that will be next week. If you want to email us, I don't want to hear about your relationship with Sonic the Hedgehog. I like this is the only human mind I have, and I can't open myself up to that. But I would like to hear your reviews of the Sonic Hedgehog movie when you go see it. I don't Just want email any emails them. from people who didn't go see Sonic Hedgehog. No, we're a family, and family in this case means people who've seen the Sonic Hedgehog movie. So please email us. Uh, that's mail at besties.fan. Besties.fan is also where you can listen to our show and share it with other people. And um, uh, we would we would love it if you would do that. And also, if you would uh, be kind enough to follow us on uh, Spotify, that would be uh, just, just peaches. Yeah, I mean, there's a little button at be. the top of the Spotify page. Click that follow button, and you're golden. At the very least, it'll uh, put uh, new uh, episodes of the Besties on your homepage when they drop on Fridays. Not quite a push subscription, but we're working for it. We're, we're working trying. on it. Uh, follow us on Twitter, the Besties Pod. Mm-hmm. We uh, put out little clip videos of each episode. If you share those, it's like a huge help for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and we appreciate y'all. That is going to do it for us, folks. So until next time, be sure to join us again next week for the besties. Because shouldn't the world's best friends pick the world's best games? Spotify original podcast in association with Vox Media. The show is edited by Jelani Carter. And our theme song is by Ian Dorsch. Besties!